You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In-depth conversations. Matchup breakdown. Everything a Steelers fan can want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome into another edition of Fourth Down in the Steel City alongside Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack. You know how to get us if you're watching us. Hi, how are you? It is uh, 93.7 The Fans' YouTube channel. That's where full episodes go up as soon as they are available. And however you get your audio-only audio podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and of course, your free Odyssey app. You want to follow and subscribe. Yep, somewhere up there, that's uh, your opportunity to click something and say, yeah, I want to be notified as soon as these new episodes are available. Because you want to be notified as soon as they're available, whether it's post-game on a Sunday night, Monday morning, or uh, a building the game plan episode late Thursday, early Friday, our hot sheet, our pick them on the weekend, or as we do every Tuesday afternoon, Josh, our Tomlin Tuesday edition of 4th Down in the Steel City. And the one thing that you could tell Mike Tomlin wasn't going to have a whole lot of time for talking about today the taunting penalties. He basically said, well, you got to figure out the tenor of the officiating crew. And they told us early, given Najee a warning about some jawing that was happening, that that's the way it was going to be. I personally, Josh, I'm okay with that. I didn't have a problem with the Deontay Johnson one so much, even given the time of game it was, because I think it just got misinterpreted by the official two former teammates, kind of jawing back and forth with each other. I would um, agree with that. George yeah. Pickens... George Pickens, I think, does have to dial it back just a little bit. Like, once you get flagged or once you, you start to get up in somebody's face the first time, back away from it. Let it go. Young guy, hopefully he learns from it. If it continues to be a problem, then I think it's worth getting uh, upset about. But at this point, I'm, a, I'm not going to be one of those old stodgy curmudgeons who goes off the rails about this. Yeah, the George Pickens thing, and he talked about it after the game. He mentioned that the Rams were really trying to get under his skin. It sounds like that might have been a point of emphasis coming in with them just trying to maybe goad him. But, you know, he did it. He did acknowledge after the game that he's got to be better with it. So, which I think is a stand-up move by him, you know, to recognize that as such a young player. Because we've had young players in the past that have made mistakes like that and just haven't acknowledged it. But at least he had at least, you know, the self-awareness to. The Najee thing is different. It kind of made me laugh because he talked about some of the things he was saying after the game. And they kind of cracked me up. Like when he kept talking to Aaron Donald, he's like, hey, if you tackle me, it will be my dream. And I'm like, who does this with Aaron Donald on the field? And then at one point he asked him for his asks autograph. For it? <laughs> yeah. yeah who, who, who basically takes, takes that man and winds him up. Like he needs wound up anymore. Like it's like standing on the train tracks and waving the locomotive on. It's, it's dominance incarnate in your face. As I always refer to Aaron Donald and he's asking him for his autograph. I thought it was funny. I, I think that was Najee trying to like have a little, little gamesmanship with it. Like I thought yeah. that was hilarious. 
But yeah, Mike Tomlin did acknowledge it. He said, you know, you have to, you have to be able. I hate using the term "read the room" because people kind of overuse it now. But you do kind of have to take that pulse of what a crew is going to stand for, because the truth is, different officiating crews and different officials, person to person, handle mm-hmm. things in different ways. Some are a little bit more lenient. Some guys kind of let things go. Some are a little bit more, hey, let's keep this clean and you know keep it on 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 point so that way you can keep the game going. So that part I understood about it, and that's true. Some people write that off as oh him making excuses. Every coach on any level is going to tell you the exact same thing because they all have interactions with officials. A lot of them like to work the officials, and that's something that does stay consistent over time. Two more things from the Rams game I kind of wanted to quickly – that he commented on that I kind of wanted to quickly put a button on, so to speak, and then file them away because we'll be done with them. Um, one was the the replay review process in the on the Puka Nakua catch. Um, the big field flippers, Mike Tomlin called it. Yeah. He basically said, hey – I didn't like how quickly they were trying to rush to the line. I knew it was he confirmed my suspicion for sure. Yeah, no, he yeah. he basically said exactly what you said when we talked about it on Sunday night. Yep. Um, is that hey, it was 50-50, but I wanted I didn't want to just let it go. Uh, it looked close, and I was standing on the sideline. I looked down the sideline, yeah. looked, it was very close, so I wanted to take a, a swing at it. But he still admitted or didn't admit, he still sort of acknowledged that having a replay assistant of sorts is not a priority for him. Now, again, in that instance, maybe a replay assistant doesn't help too much because of how quickly right. the Rams were trying to get to the line. That was the whole cooking there, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'll seed that, that ground there on that part of the debate. I still want him to have a dedicated replay assistant in the booth, though, regardless of whether they're in L.A., Pittsburgh, Helsinki, wherever. I was going to um, argue maybe having one at home probably benefits you because you have more time to process it. When you're on the road, they're not going to show it on the Jumbotron. And to his point, when you're the head coach, that's all you have in front of you is what's on the Jumbotron. And if the home team's offense hurries up to the line and trying to limit your time to see it, then you're kind of stuck with going by field. That's why when he said it, I said it in our group chat. I'm like, you know what? He's thinking that's a 50-50. I'd rather do it and, you know, not get it than regret not doing it later. So I understood why he did it completely. And then it turns out that he was actually right. And yeah. they messed this up. So we can, I mean, we like to try to lump every replay situation into the same situation, try to put it in the same box. This ain't one of those times. He actually got this one right. Yeah, I'll own that totally. Like at the time I was like, why are we challenging this? What are we, What is going on? I can see his toes came yeah. down. But then again, like we talked about Sunday night, the whole continuation of the foot coming down rule. Turns out, like you said, Mike Tomlin was right. Uh, they just got the call wrong. I right. still want him to have a replay assistant. I, I think I, those I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Two separate silos of the conversation. Please don't watch my hand yeah. motions on YouTube. That was inadvertently weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, this just got very oh, strange. Geez. Anyway. the one. <laughs> okay, sorry. The one other thing goes in line with that Dwight Howard story I just read a couple minutes ago, you know? Oh, anyway, man, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> I-Y-K-Y-K. Um, one last thing I wanted to bring up in relation to the Rams game on Sunday. Um, it was interesting to me that Mike Tomlin admitted they took the ball because he wanted to kind of wake his team up from the bye, right? He didn't want to sit around and wait for them to to arrive, I think is how he may have put it. I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. Um I would have rathered, because this team is built upon defense, woken up the defense first. I get what he's saying, 
Um, if my defense is still trying to wake up uh, and it's against Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and that offense, all of it, um, maybe that puts them behind the eight ball. But like, I, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I trust my defense to go out there and make some noise first. But it was interesting to me that that was his philosophy on that. Well, there's, a, there's a double-edged sword to that because you can use that mm-hmm. as an opportunity to possibly wake up your offense or you can use that as a possibility to, hey, you can't do anything if you don't have the ball. You know, Stafford yeah. can't get to you if you don't have the ball. Puka Nakua can't do anything to you. And Cooper Cup can't do anything to you if they don't have the ball in their hands. We talked about this earlier. The most important weapon you have in your hands as an offense is the ball. And if you don't have the ball, you can't attack. So I, I kind of understand the premise behind it because you're almost limiting the damage you can do to yourself by having the ball. It's one of those, okay, if we're not gonna if if we're not gonna be sharp coming out of it. We'd rather be able to be sharp and control our own destiny or control our own fate. I hate screwing that part up. As opposed to, hey, we're not sharp and now they got a lead on us. I kind of like that whole approach to it. That makes sense to me. And that's one of those things where he might, it's kind of him admitting like, look, we know we're slow offensively to start out. Mm -hmm. So we'd rather suffer that way than put our defense out there Mm -hmm. and be behind and then start slow offensively. I kind of like that whole taking that dynamic into their own hands approach. I don't mind that too much. Yeah, I'd like it if it was an offense that had shown more than once in the last 17 games that it can score a touchdown on its first drive. I totally agree with that. But the premise behind it makes sense because it's, hey, maybe maybe we surprise ourselves if we do score a touchdown. Right. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Like, hey, well, maybe we get this on track and it works. But if it doesn't, at the very least, they can punt it away, play field position, and their defense comes on the field without being, you know, totally having their hands on their knees six minutes into the game. Yeah, now, now some of the this feeds in though into one of the global topics that came up during Tuesday's press conference, which was a question I believe Tim Benz asked about scripting the offense early on. Um, and Mike Tomlin, I'll give him credit; I didn't think he'd answer a thing about this. I thought he'd yeah. completely no sell it and move on because it seemed like the kind of thing he would not want to get into details about. But he openly admitted, Josh, that they used the script. He didn't say how many plays, but they used the script. And he did also admit, hey, sometimes you got to adjust on the fly. Like, yeah. if you're third and long and your third play in the script is, you know, an inside handoff, that may not be the way to go. Um, but he admitted to using the Some script. Some people to can't grasp what that. The by the is way. Doing both. Yeah. Some people can't grasp that whole concept of it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's, that's what I was going to bring up. He, he's getting a feel for personnel and matchups early on and how the defense is going to adjust based down and distance and all that, I guess this also comes back around to the same concept, the same, the same problem I had with taking the ball instead of deferring uh, on the opening kickoff is if I had a, an offense that could score more easily or shown more proficiency, I'd be okay using that time early on to uh, diagnostically, I guess, right? I just yeah. don't know if this is a team that can afford to waste 10 to 15 plays on diagnostics. Well, there, there's two ways I can look at it. One, you either get the opportunity to show what you've been working on during the bye week and see if it works, or you go back to the old Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. And that goes for both teams. You could come in, know what you want to do, and the other team says, no, 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 boom. And that's exactly what happened. Second and two, you know, Kenny Pickett gets sacked on the second and two, and Mike Tomlin admitted it. Hey, there was there was a, a missed pickup there, and it ended up being the sack on second and two, so it resulted in the third and long. 
I personally, if you run on first and 10 and get eight yards, I would just run on second and two. But that's just me talking. I won't go any further well, into that. Again, but I understand again, his premise. Again, if it's an, a proficient offense, right. I would I would consider, you know, hey, maybe I'll run a little play action here, boot Kenny out. We'll take a deep shot, you know. But again, this is an offense that's just trying to still trying to find basic capabilities, right? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. Second and short, let's just let's just move the chains. Move let's the chains. Keep it simple. Just move the chains and then go back to the script. Like it, it, hell, run the same running play twice. I don't care. But if it gets you to two mm-hmm. yards and allows you to move the chains, all right, fine. Go to the next thing. Like you, you can, if, if we're talking about adjusting the script for when things go bad, you can adjust it for when things go good. Because who's going to say that a, a, an eight yard run on first and ten is bad? A point to be made just you know but no I, I understand the general concept of what he's saying and i understand the premise of it and i totally agree with it because there are things that are going to happen in the first drive of a game that you might not see and they may not work out your way and you're going to have to try to move along with it and try to adjust with it i also like that he admitted basically hey we're trying to feel things out for matchups here in personnel that's not something he's not always going to admit that's not something he's not always going to say out loud. So I'm stunned he even said that too. Like you said, he gave a lot more detail on things he not normally isn't detailed about. And I thought he kind of really pulled the curtain back, even though he says he's not going to pull the curtain back. But I thought he did there, especially given the fact they didn't have Pat Fryer move. So that might be a thing that helps, you know, that would have helped as far as personnel. They did have Deontay Johnson back. So that's something that does help them as far as personnel. So you might not have seen what they were looking at in the first half. But we saw the adjustments that they made that helped them figure it out in the second half, for sure. Yeah, what's interesting to me, though, Josh, is that you make a great point. They needed the diagnostics in this game, right? And and that's the counterpoint to my point about an inefficient offense might not have the time for diagnostics. So the counterpoint is, well, you got to figure out how they're going to handle Deontay Johnson in this instance, how they're going to handle your tight ends, given that there's no Pat Fryermuth. But Mike Tomlin also admitted on Tuesday, hey, we've got to work for more fluid and productive starts that's a direct quote and yeah. so when you've got a young quarterback who's getting out of the gate slow whose best point in in games seems to be the later you get in the game I just I, I want to see he seems content Mike Tomlin with the fact that Kenny Pickett finds this fourth quarter magic once every three or four games and I understand it's a good thing I'm not saying it's a bad thing that he has that in there I just don't know if he's necessarily – I know a couple of weeks ago he said – I think it was Brooke Pryor asked him, you know, how often are you thinking about trying to find that earlier in games? And he said, every single day I'm thinking about it. But it, I don't know if we're seeing them necessarily put anything into practice that would help Kenny get started more quickly. Yeah, I, I think the fact that they're still searching for it tells you that, you know, it, it's still a problem. And just because they haven't found it yet – I don't think it means they're okay with it. I mean, just because he's not sitting there pulling his hair out in front of everybody over it doesn't mean it's not a problem. I'm sure they'd love to try to solve that mystery as soon as possible. But the fact that they haven't also comes back to, well, what's the reason why? And there's a couple things why. I think before this week, Deontay Johnson being out of the lineup is one of them because you eventually saw what that matchup does for your offense. I think part of it also is just this, there's this thing where, hey, should we be married to this? Should we be married to that? I like how you admitted that, hey, so, you know, we're not always married to the script. 
There's some times I'd like them to not be married to the script, like, you know, when the run game's working for you. Let's let's see how this thing goes. Yeah. Because if the run game is going to work for you and you're going to have some success with it early, kind of like how they had success with it early last season when they came out of the bye against New Orleans, if you're going to have that going for you, make that work for you first and then play off of that. Then you can open up right. play action. You and I keep waiting for this to happen where the run game actually gets some legs to it. And now you're like, all right, let's set this up and try to make it go over the top because we draw the linebackers in. And it just hasn't gone in that pattern that we wanted to go. And I think that's super crazy and ironic because the very first pass play that Kenny Pickett ever threw in a Steeler uniform was a play action with a rollout to his throwing side to a tight end. I know. That was the first thing he ever did as a Steelers quarterback in a preseason game. So why aren't you doing that more often or at least trying to move yourself in that direction to get your quarterback going? That's a question I would love to hear an answer to. Well, and this is why I love doing this on Tuesday afternoons too, because I will sit there and try to poke all the little holes in the Mike Tomlin backdrop and you will bring me back to earth in some instances because the other thing he didn't want to marry himself to, there was a lot of talk of marriage. Uh, the one thing, the other thing he didn't want to marry himself to was an identity, right? It, he, mm. he called it a stupid endeavor at this juncture. I would counter that without an identity, it's really hard to root yourself in, in, in having some, a foundation that you can go back to so that when things get difficult or you're presented with something that you didn't expect to be presented with, I, I, I'll just throw this out as an example. Let's say you totally expect the Jaguars, and it sounds like he expects Jacksonville to come with some heavy five-man fronts, just like Baltimore did to you earlier yep. in the season. And you come out with the idea of, well, if we understand that, maybe we'll try some play action. Maybe we'll try and stretch some stuff to the sidelines, whether it's worked in the past or not. Maybe he's got some different, but you walk out on Sunday and they're not. They're going with two down linemen and four four backers standing up. Or they're just doing something that you don't expect, right? It would be nice in that case to have an identity that you are rooted in, a foundation where you say, okay, well, we're not comfortable with what we're seeing. We know at the very least we can do A, B, or C. Right. And they don't have any of those things right now. They haven't committed to that identity. So that kind of struck my ear the wrong way. No, that's a good point. And, and you and I have been talking about this pretty much as what, since we started doing this show, about uh -huh. what we expected this team's identity to be. Not because we were doing, we were putting two and two together and getting five, but because this is what they were laying out for us. But these were the breadcrumbs that they were giving us. And in some cases, they were giving us whole cakes and pies. But they were pointing us in this direction saying, hey, these are the guys we're bringing in. This is what we're trying to do, and this is why we're doing it. So when you tell us, and I'm going to say this again, because this is what after the Houston game, I, I kind of laid on this real heavy. But when you tell us that this is what you're going to be, but then later on you're not showing what you say you're going to be, isn't it only fair that we kind of give you a what for? Because, hey, you're the ones that pointed us in this direction. So mm -hmm. now you're telling us it, it's – kind of a stupid endeavor are you telling us it's not working are you telling us you don't have all the pieces there to make it work are you telling us that something is wrong and if so what is it and have you figured it out yet because for what we saw and heard what four or five months ago to where we are now something's missing in the equation here yeah there's two other things i wanted to touch on that as far as quotes that i thought were were really good from mike tomlin today at least worth breaking down um, the one was, we're not scared. We play to win. We don't play not to lose. 
I, that that sounds great. It, it would look really good on a poster in the locker room or in the hallway as you're walking out to the field at Akershire Stadium. But come on. We know who your quarterback is. We know what your offense is capable or maybe more accurately not capable of right now. We know what your defense, maybe that's the most important part here. We know what your defense is capable of, in particular, the guy who's the most dynamic defensive playmaker in the game right now, in arguably, I think, the way he's he playing, T.J. Watt. He is. He's that so, dude. So it's okay to admit that you're playing, at least on offense, not to lose, or that you're playing more conservatively. If you were playing to win, I think we'd see, like you talked about earlier, more play action, more rollouts, more aggressive downfield shots. I, I, I think maybe we, we'd see a little more aggressive personnel rotations on the defensive side of the ball. Keanu Benton getting more run up front. Joey Porter Jr. has slowly, at least as far as snap count goes, elevated to the number two spot. We'll see how that plays out against Jacksonville. But don't, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Like, I get what your philosophy is, and it's very low risk. And I think we're going to see that to the nth degree against mm. the team who's caused more turnovers than anybody else in the league this weekend, who has one of the best turnover day differentials in the league i i think they're going to play it very close to the vest very safe very conservatively they are going to play this sunday not to lose that's okay to admit maybe not in so many words but that you, you've got a conservative game plan yeah I, I was hoping that when he said that i was hoping he was saying that in the context of how kenny pickett plays in the fourth quarter because the first three don't reflect that and, but when you're willing to admit that that's what you are, I'm okay with it. So I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he meant just in the context of, hey, when Katie Pickett steps out in the field in the fourth quarter, we're playing to win because we know that's when he can rise to the occasion. I really hope that's what he's saying because I'm with you on this. And I'm one of those people that doesn't have a problem with the fact that for the first three quarters of the game, they're playing not to lose. Because my yeah. thing is... If they try to be too aggressive, it might come back and bite them because I still don't think they have all the components that they need to be that kind of aggressive team. I just don't think they're designed to be that yet. So if you can spend those first three those first three quarters of the game trying to feel things out and just trying to stay in the fight, and we talked about this back in week one, just, hey, survive long enough to maybe try to do something here in the end, you know, take those body blows and duck some of those jabs and, you know, just keep sticking and moving and maybe land that knockout punch in the fourth quarter. And this matchup is going to play right into that. And I'm glad he talked about what Jacksonville does defensively because guess what it does, guess what it reminds me a lot of? What this team tries to do defensively. Yes. They try to force turnovers. They try to use mistakes against you. So now it becomes its own game within the game. There's going to be some chess match going on here as far as, hey, who's going to make the first mistake and can you capitalize on it? Because let's be honest, the one huge mistake in that game against LA, the Steelers were the ones that capitalized because it was one bad read by Stafford. It turned into a ridiculously great play by TJ Watt. And I agree with you. He is the preeminent defensive player in the league because there isn't much he can't do, including making a play like that to flip the fortunes of your team and turn it into points off a turnover, which, by the way, was the only turnover in the game. And it was the margin in the game by getting that touchdown off that turnover. So all of it plays in to what you might see Sunday. He's sitting on, on a flat zone, right? And picks off a ball thrown to a curl route, basically. It, it was just, it was, it was more of a, a deke route or a juke route, whatever you want to call it. A T-spin, we used to call it under Don Yanessa in high school. Um, the great Donnie Y. 
Nice reference. <laughs> but but I mean, he's he's sitting on the flat and he picks a ball off in the curl zone. Like that's athleticism, man. There's not a lot of dudes that can do that as safeties or inside linebackers, let alone alone edge rushers in this league. And it's instinct, too. I think that's another thing. It's instinct. It's athleticism. It's anticipation. It's knowing what to expect. It's studying tape. It's all of those things. I was really glad that, I think it was Brooke Pryor that asked him the question about the Hall of Honor and James Harrison. And he, she mm-hmm. asked about why James Harrison and T, how, how James Harrison and T.J. Watt are similar. I'm glad she asked that question because what T.J. Watt did on that play that anticipation and that athleticism make that play, it reminded me a lot of the anticipation and athleticism James Harrison had on that interception in Super Bowl 43. Because yep. for some odd reason, and Harrison talked about it after the game, he said, hey, I just had this feeling that they might try to go slant here. So instead of blitzing, I dropped back and I was right in the passing lane. There must be something T.J. Watt either saw or expected and said, hey, they might try to you know move this route outwards. So I just jumped right in front of it and made a play. But that kind of anticipation and preparation is what makes those plays. So two things. One, the reason not all, all old curmudgeonly beat guys are always old and curmudgeonly. Sometimes they're a font of knowledge. Jerry Dulac immediately referenced that and asked Mike Tomlin if that's the greatest play he's ever seen. And also doing this uh, Oh Mama podcast, which plug plug is also on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page. Um, I've had conversations with James Ferrier, with Dick LeBeau, Larry Foote about that play. And Dick LeBeau was very clear about it in saying, well, James told me after the fact that he knew it was a zero blitz, an all-out blitz. And so the pressure would get home regardless of whether he was going or not. So he knew he could afford to drop there and get away with it, and we'd still get pressure on Warner there. And that's that's the thinking man's maneuver there, James Very Harrison smart. making that move. And and T.J. Watt, a, a bit of a thinking man's move in jumping that route on Sunday. Um, one other thing. What was it? There was one other thing I wanted to bring up. To, oh, you mentioned, we both mentioned, the turnovers that Jacksonville causes. And you mentioned the similarities. These two teams, the Steelers and Jags, are both tied for second in the league in turnover differential at plus six. And they're tied with some pretty good defenses. Dallas, San Francisco, the Texans, who have been a very good defense this year, surprisingly. Um, They are up there with all those teams, both of these teams in turnover differential. And so it's why I think it lends itself to both young quarterbacks being asked to not do too much this weekend. And that's, Josh, why I think this game ultimately comes down to which young quarterback gets forced into an untimely mistake by the opportunistic opponent opposing defense. That's what it is. Like you said about the Rams game, one big mistake. It's the Steelers defense uh, making a move on Matt Stafford at the perfect time, first play of the second half. Uh, If Lawrence should do the same thing or something similar in the second half this Sunday, or conversely, Pickett does it, then there you go. That's the ball game, I think, against the Jags. It, it fits perfectly into what this team has done. There are people that keep telling you what they're doing isn't sustainable. Well, how do they expect to do this? Folks, you can't sit there on one side of the ledger and tell me it's been 54 games when they haven't had 400 yards of offense and then also ignore the fact that they've won 32 of those games and tied another one. And because specifically half of those games, 27 of them, they won the turnover margin and they won the game. Mm-hmm. That's That really is one of the reasons why it's been so so baffling to people. That's how they're doing it. And we tend to confuse the how with the why. Because we think 
the how is the why. The reason why they've been able to do so well over this strand, this this trend of not having a lot of offense is because the defense has been able to A, limit the number of points that they've scored, and B, capitalize on mistakes. And this plays right into that with Jacksonville coming to town because now you got two teams trying to do the exact same thing on defense. Yeah, and one last thing I wanted to touch on from Mike Tomlin's Tuesday press conference before we wrap up here on fourth down in the Steel City. He was asked about the back and forth, uh, the debate that may have happened in the facility about starting Dan Moore Jr. over Broderick Jones. Quote, I wouldn't pull back the curtains if there was a debate. That tells me there was was a debate. debate. And people went back and forth on who to start at left tackle and I'd love, I'd love to be the fly on that wall, Josh, and see Pat Meyer maybe presenting one side. And, and, and maybe it's Matt Canada and Mike Sullivan on the other side. And Mike Tomlin comes in. And then somebody else. I just, to me, you, you move up in the first round to draft an anchor of a left tackle who can play on your line for the next decade or should if he's what you think he is. I mean, this was the perfect opportunity to – just airdrop him into the lineup and let him take over at left tackle. Nothing against Dan Moore. I think he no. did all right. Uh, but it's it, Broderick Jones is the guy. And that that needed to stick from this point forward. Now I don't know how they get Jones back in the lineup. This was a conversation I had with Chris Carter last week when we were having this discussion about whether or not he was going to play. And I, Chris and I agreed on this. This is one of those things, and I'm going to say this directly into the camera, so the people who probably should hear this but probably won't watch this can know this is directed to them. This is why Mike Tomlin is revered and respected as a head coach, because we keep looking at the whole, well, he doesn't let players lose jobs due to injury as a bad thing. Players see that as a good thing. And whether or not we want to acknowledge it, Dan Moore rewarded Mike Tomlin's decision to let him start in this game, because Dan Moore was not a liability in this game. He wasn't. We can say what we want. He acquitted himself pretty well. And by the way, those couple of rushing touchdowns, the one with Najee Harris and the one with Jalen Warren, you know who was out there making some blocks and opening up holes? Dan Moore. He was yeah. one of those guys that contributed to it. So, you know, we, we could talk about whether or not he should have done it all we wanted to, but the truth of the matter is Dan Moore acquitted himself well enough to help this offense find its rhythm in the second half, which eventually led to them winning the game. And he rewarded his head coach's decision to not let a guy, a starter, lose a job because of injury and it worked out the way at least I think they wanted it to so yes if there was a debate about it that's all well and good here's my obligatory why reference of the day I'm gonna quote Marlo Stanfield again this is one this is what you call one of those good problems because if you're having that situation where you're saying hey there's a guy who started a couple seasons for us and he wasn't expected to be a starter when he became a starter let's be honest about that part which also shows how he's acquitted himself they wanted to try to find a way to keep that guy engaged or bring the rookie in that you brought in specifically for a purpose. And I do think they're trying to keep Dan Moore engaged because I do think there's some long-term implications there that they won't say out loud. Wink, wink. Yeah, you may be. Nudge, nudge. Yeah, nudge, nudge to the right side, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I get your point, and I, I, I do understand what you're saying. I just, if I'm Marlo and I drop that briefcase of money on the yeah. Greeks' table, like, right. I, I, I want to know that it's going to pay off in the end. And I, I if I this. move I up love the reference, love it. If, if I move up <laughs> in the first round and I drop the briefcase, a clean, I go out and get the money cleaned and I drop it on the table for the Greek. You, I, I better that 
better make me the guy, right? I'm taking the east side and the west side. I'm taking the whole damn city because now I'm the man running point. And if I go out and get Broderick Jones, I move up in the draft to get him, I'm not going to just sit there and stay on the same corners I've been on. No, I'm going to go out and acquire some more territory, which is the equivalent of letting Broderick Jones cook. This is why we're friends, first of all, because you took my one reference and just ran down the road with it. This is why we're friends. Want to point that out. Second thing, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Remember, I'm the guy saying going into the offseason, I wanted Broderick Jones. I wanted a whole bunch of Georgia boys, and he was mm-hmm. one of them. So I, I totally get it from that aspect. For me, you put Broderick Jones in there, and I'm not complaining. But at the same time, we can't sit there and say, oh, we, we don't know if this is a good idea. This one worked. It was a decision that we didn't want him to make, but I got to give him credit. This one worked, and it worked out okay for him. Will it work down the road? Will it work again? We don't really know. Maybe we're crossing fingers and throwing some dice out here, but this particular time it didn't hurt him. Dan Moore Jr. is leaving Bodie on his corner. That's what that is. <laughs> that's, that's, that's leaving Bodie on his corner. Oh, it's man. not going to last long. This. Like, you yeah. know, you know, you know, it's not going to, you know, you know, it's not going to be the, the, the case forever. Eventually you're going to have you know your own man out on that corner because you, 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 yeah, well, spoiler alert. The show's only been uh, done for 10 years now, uh, 15 it's, years, it's almost 20, um, but yeah, it, that, that, yeah, man, I can't believe that show's to, almost 20 years old. That's insane. To, to, your, anyway, to, your point, it, to your point, Slim Charles would tell you that's why, but that's the thing about the old days. They're the old days. So, yeah, you, you're good. They're off. the old days. <laughs> to your point. Uh, we'll see how it goes with Dan Moore Jr. Moment. When uh, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker are the edge of rushers rather than what the Rams were presenting, which wasn't quite on that level. Uh, we will get into Jacksonville specifically later in the week when we are building the game plan we'll see how many more wire references we can sprinkle in because you know how we love to do that uh and we always got big (laughs) and we will be here as long as you are here on 93.7 the fans youtube page or however you get your podcasts especially inside your odyssey app it's free download it today a-u-d-a-c-y tap the three little buttons up in the upper right hand corner where it says follow and then you will get notified as soon as new episodes are available for greg finley for josh taylor i'm chris mack you are here with fourth down in the steel city